Jack Halliday, great to talk to you. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, Jack, tell me, first of all, uh, where, where you were born and, and where, where, where did well, you come from? I was born in a little place called Bailden, which is near Shipley, which is near Bradford. Um, I was born there in 1931, um, and then my parents moved to, to Shipley. And I lived there. What part of the, of, the, of, of the, uh, Yorkshire. Yorkshire. West Yorkshire, yeah. And uh, I lived there until, uh, in, in Shipley, until I got married. D you went to school there? Oh, I went to school. I went to a school called, in a place called Solterre, which is now one of these sort of heritage vis uh, villages uh, uh, protected by the international protection, you know. It's one of the very first uh, industrial villages right. that came and uh, a man called Sir Titus Salt built a big mill there and of course he had his own school and libraries and everything right. and, and I went to school there until I finished with, I got my, what was equivalent to uh, leaving service. Right, and, and I, was there many in family? I had uh, a brother, that's uh, so brother. I had an elder brother, I had, I had a sister who died before I knew her. Uh, but an elder brother, uh, right. and uh, he died a few. He died a few years ago. Right. Okay. So uh, a happy, a happy childhood. Oh yeah, yeah, generally happy. Yeah, you know, no problems. Yeah, be uh, things were tight. And know. do you do you remember the war? Oh yeah, I remember. I remember the last one. One of the main thing I remember living in Shipley is uh, woke up one morning and found the street was full of uh, military trucks. And they were all Belgian people in the Belgium army, all getting ready to go across to D-Day. All right, okay. And, uh, and, and that was that. So you would have been going to school that time. But other than that, we didn't we didn't really see much of the of war. We didn't have any uh, we didn't have any air raids or anything. Like was that. there well, we had air raids? Yeah. Was there shortages? Because, yeah, a lot of food was short. You had to uh, you had ration books. So you had meat, you know, all your meat and eggs and uh, butter yeah. and all those sort of things were all short. Right. Fortunately, I had a grandmother who married a man uh, after the first husband died, and he had a lot of hens, uh, battery hens. Right. So one thing we were never short of was eggs. What, was eggs. Yeah. Because all the eggs had to go to the egg marketing board. Yeah. But if they had soft shells or, or cracked shells, then they couldn't go. So my mother used to go to my grandma's every Friday Right. And she collected back basket full of eggs, and of course, when the hens went off laying, yeah. they were obviously killed. And so she generally used to finish up with a couple of hens. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. So we, we we never really went short of anything, right. but but it, but you were very rushing with a lot of things. Yeah. We, ne we never saw. So when you were going to school, were you interested in any kind of sport or? I I played sport, but no, I was never really in it. I played a bit of cricket more than yeah. anything else. Uh, we played a bit of football, but I would. We, we didn't really play a lot of we, we didn't really yeah. play a lot of sports at right. that time, you know. So you were the equivalent of your leaving thirty. You came to what eighteen years of age. I came to sixteen years. Sixteen. Of age, sixteen. Yeah. yeah, and then I went and became an apprentice engineer. Right. Okay. Yeah. Where was that? In? A place called Prince Smith and Stells. They were a big textile company, a textile machinery company in Keithley. Right. Okay. And. Uh, I started then as just an ordinary engineer, and then I became a, a, a two-room fitter, and then I became a draftsman, right. an engineer in two-room draftsman, until um, until I had to go into the forces then at 21. 
Well, and did you have to go in? Oh yes, it was military. Yeah, it was yeah yeah conscription. Yeah, we had to go in for two years. Yes, we went to the yeah, army. We should have gone in at eighteen, but we were deferred until twenty one if you're a certain apprenticeship or if you went to a university or something right. like that. And so I had to go in, but I'd been in the air training corps prior to that. So when I did have to go into the into the forces, I opted to go into the RAF. So um, you have to say it was yeah, the RAF. and I opted to go and I applied to become a a pilot right okay so, so this was your 21 yeah yeah so then we, uh, we had to go for all the tests and all these checks and all that and uh, so eventually I, I i became a pilot and uh, how long did it take you to train for that i'd say the initial training probably would took would took about nine months right okay and then you had more severe training so and then uh, did you like that pardon? did you like that Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, flying was was bloody marvelous, you know. But uh, uh, but then again, I don't know whether I would have wanted to stay in yeah. in in peacetime. Yeah. Because yeah, it was just another job, really. You know, wartime yeah. was a different thing because you were doing something. And what kind of planes were you flying? Well, we're flying event. Well, we're flying. We started off on Tiger Moths. Yeah. And then Chipmunks, and then Harbors, and then uh, Avros. And then uh, eventually we finished up flying Mus uh, flying the Meteor, the Meteor right, Jets. Okay. And I was over in Canada for about a few months with the Royal Canadian Air Force. What, were you sent over there? Uh, well, it, well, it was a sort of an exchange thing. Some right. of them came over and went back. I was in Winnipeg there for, for a number of... And what was that like? It was nice, but it was very hot. We were, unfortunately, I was there right in the middle of the hot season. Right. And not only was it hot, but it was also very damp. It was right. a, the, the air was very damp, so it was very uncomfortable. Really. And and uh, what, you were just on manoeuvres and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, we do navigation exercises and all that sort of stuff. General sort of routine things, the flying, you'd have tests that you had to go through all the time in case yeah. you ever had to go right. through it properly, you know. So how long were you in the Army? In the RAF, two years. Two years? Yeah, right. and then I came back and went back. Uh, I went back then... Uh, back my to as being a draftsman and then I got the opportunity because before I went into the RAF I'd also been I was also training and taking coaching uh, for singing oh well, that's and right job and this was serious singing not just yeah. it, this was so and where did you develop <laughs> that interest in that now well I think the interest started there really because a girl that I knew was uh, she was very good and she just heard me just sort of casually singing and she yeah. just suggested I went along to see her tutor or teacher. Right. And I went to see him and he suggested that I should take it seriously. Right. But then, of course, I had to go in the RAF and, of course, things changed. When I came right. out, then I uh, <clears throat> I auditioned for a, a job singing with a, a dance orchestra. Right. So I sang with this dance orchestra for... Uh, well, for, for seven years, right up to right. <coughs> what's what sort of of uh, uh, what sort of functions did you sing at? Oh, it was, it was a big ballroom. Right. It was a big ballroom. We danced about two thousand a night. Right. And it had its it had a proper bar. It had a, a coffee bar. It had a cocktail, a soft drinks bar, and it was lit up like as if you were going to you know to yeah. a, a, a firework display yeah. nearly you know very very up. How many nights a week? Six nights. Six nights a week? Yes, six nights a week. So this was your full-time job? No, no, I worked during the day as well. Oh, so you worked during the day as well, so you were a dressman? Yes. And where did you, where did you sing? All over the country? No, no, one place in Bradford. Oh, just in Bradford? Two ballrooms. We started in one ballroom, and then we moved to a bigger one. 
and it was it was while I was singing at the first ballroom uh, that I met June. And, uh, and of course, and I said, and I was singing there for seven years uh, until I came over to Ireland. Right, I've so something obviously you, you loved. Oh yeah, oh I loved it. Yeah, I'd be singing all the Sinatra type stuff. All the yeah, oh, fabulous. And was there many, many, many people singing in language? At uh, one time, there was another man came singing with us, and he used to sing what we would call the. Uh, the more jump, more lively sort yeah. of numbers, where I would be singing more of the ballad type songs, right. you know, uh, the smoochy songs, the Sinatra type songs. And and uh, who was your favourite? Well, I never really had a favourite. I mean, Sinatra was obvious one, but uh, I, I would find it a bit difficult to say I had a right. particular favourite because right. I loved so many of them. So Nat King Cole, uh, a lot of them those at yeah. the time, you know. So you were six nights a week? Yeah, six nights a week, all dressed up. And I initially, I, I, I in a tuxedo. Well, in, yeah, and I, but initially I, I was going there on a motorbike, so I had to put all the wet gear on. You know? Right. Um, and then it, before I came, and then at one stage, then I bought myself a bubble car. Right. So I it was a because I could drive a bubble car with a motorcycle license as well. You see. All right. Yeah. Which but, but which then meant I could actually go dressed up without having to put all the wet gear right. on. You know. Right. And uh, was well, it late nights? Yeah. Not very late. No, we used to have a. Sometimes we used to have what we call a more of a private yeah. night on the on the Friday, and that could go until midnight. Right. But most nights it'd be ten, eleven o'clock because right. we used to start at half past seven. All right. Okay. You know, because people started over there much earlier. I'm, I'm not asking the, the exactly, but the, who was the pay was modest. I'd say, was it? What was the the pay? The pay. Well, let's put it this way. I was earning. At that time, as a qualified draftsman, I was earning fifteen pounds a week. Right. And I was singing six nights a week for about twenty pounds. Right. Okay. But both of them were taxed. Yeah, well, I understand. It, it was a complete. Yeah. There was no. But uh, it was very handy because it obviously when we decided when Joe and I decided to get married, it meant we could immediately put money down on a right. house and everything right, else. Right. Okay. So you yeah. met Joe and was she local? Yes. Oh, yeah. She June, was local June, to you. Yeah, local was June was Bradford. Right. Yeah. So uh, you're 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 it's six or seven years and you're singing uh, and you're working hard. Why why did you come to Ireland? Well, with the company I was with during the day, uh, they had an association with another company that used to supply a lot of spare parts. Right. And I was plant maintenance manager, and I got to know one of the directors and uh, things were. Company I was with now, there would been a lot of changes, and I was, yeah. I'd say I was a little bit unsettled. Right. And he told me, he said, "Look, we're starting a factory up in in Ireland. Would you be prepared to come across and manage it for us?" Right. And of course, when he said Ireland to me, it didn't make any difference. North of Ireland, South of yeah. Ireland, just yeah. I didn't know the difference. That you were never in Ireland Not in your life. No. No. And they brought us to Roscommon. They told us it was Roscommon, which again I didn't know where that yeah. was. And they invited June and I to come over for a long weekend. Just what to, year was this? This would be so sixty two. Nineteen sixty two. Yeah. Right. And the first night we were here, we were invited to go to a dance at Fairyland. Yeah. So you can imagine, which was on the race course. Road, to, it was yeah. a bit of a yeah. culture shock, really. Right, you know. Yeah. And then the next <laughs> night we were Bill Finch. If you remember Bill. Finch. I do. He was the. He involved in, with the vocational school. That's right. Well, he invited June and I to go to the Roscommon Golf Club. It was the Summerhill Past Pupils Union Golf Society. So mm -hmm. we went along. 
And of course, the golf club at that time was very austere as well. Right. But the night wasn't austere. Yeah. Uh, this it's went on. Oh, yeah, this went on about two o'clock in the morning at least. And of course, so where were you staying? In, in a hotel? <coughs> we we stayed stuff? at the Hudson Bay. Oh, at the Hudson yeah. Bay. And uh, needless to say, because somebody who knew, heard I could sing before the night was out, I was up. And of course, I, I couldn't stop before, until I sang Danny Boy, of course. Right. And the holy city, and I remember singing. I remember singing Danny Boy. I was stood there singing Danny Boy with my arms around Malika Tiernan, right. who, who was a teacher in, in from Stockton. Yeah, yeah. And I remember then we, when we left, we went back to the hotel, Hudson Bay, and it was early hours of the morning, and we saw what we thought was the night porter. Right. And we didn't want to wake him up. He was asleep in his chair. Right. So we got the keys and went to bed. Next morning we got up. And we were informed that the night, it wasn't the night porter, it was Brian Lennon's father. Oh, right. He owned the hotel. That's right. And he sat up all night in that that's chair, right. fell asleep there, and he was still asleep when we went in next morning. Imagine. That's, that's a great story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. So you, you took the job in Roscommon? Yeah, yeah. And the factory was? Well, he started off Textile Engineering Limited, but then we changed our product to slightly, then we became Plastics Limited. Plastics. Plastics. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so we, the were right was the, we were right opposite the railway station. I was just going to say yeah. right up at the railway opposite station. Opposite the level crossing. It isn't there now. We were there. Mm. And I was there till 1976. So, uh, and how many people were working there? There were about 67 when I left. Yeah. 67? Oh, yes, yes. That's a lot of people. Oh, it was. But then I left there. It's, I was invited to go to the foundry up the road. Then yeah, I, I had a few changes, but eventually I finished up with stainless steel products. Right. You, you so you were with Classics, and at sixty-seven people, it was a lot of people. Oh, yeah. uh, working. And how how did stainless steel come about? Because stainless steel was the biggest factory that was oh, yeah. ever, well, ever was in this town. I, I, I was at a function with the IDA in Athlone, and John Dre, who was the managing director. Asked me if I was if I would be prepared to join the company. Yeah. So I went in there as plant manager, and then after a short while, John got transferred to Leeds, and he told me that uh, he suggested that I take over as managing director. So this was still in the state and it was on the racecourse road. Yeah, we and we employed two hundred and seventy. There was two hundred and seventy people yeah, working yeah, on the three shift system. Yeah. And you were making stainless steel sinks. Stainless steel sinks up to early eighties when the recession hit us. Oh. And when, uh, uh, so this was what about seventy six was it? Oh no, this was um, this was being 80, 1980 when I went up to stainless steel. Oh, you went to stainless steel in nineteen eighty. I had a few swaps around yeah. before in right. between. <laughs> and how long did this? Well, I was I was only there for a few years because they, they, I say the recession. If you remember the recession it hit us in the early eighties. Yeah. And the problem there was, you see. The, the, there were three. There was a company here. There was one in Malta, yeah. and there was one in Leeds. Yeah. Now Leeds specialised in more specialised type of things, but the one in Malta did exactly the same as we did. Yeah. And it was decided originally to close Malta down because right. we, was, the demand wasn't big enough for two. Right. But the directors went over the, from the the main holding company directors. They went over to Malta, and they had a meeting with Don Mintoff who was the Prime Minister, and he was a ruthless man, and he more or less told them, if he planned to shut us down in Malta, I will immediately nationalise the company, you won't move any equipment out, and uh, we'll freeze your assets in the Bank of Malta. 
So the gentleman go away and think about that one. So of course oh. they came away and decided it was going to be a lot easier to close Roscommon down. And it's like it was the biggest, that. it was the biggest factory ever in this town. Oh, it was two hundred and seventy yes. people working yes, there. Yeah, so yeah. like it was, yeah, just went, yeah. It was huge. Yeah, yeah. So what did you do after that? I was invited then to go as managing director of uh, Maid Sinks in Dublin, right, Linnaeus Road. Right. And unfortunately, they had big financial problems, and uh, uh, we couldn't come to any agreement with the unions on right. uh, pay structure and bonuses and that. Yeah. And so eventually the idea pulled the plug on it. Right. So I came back to Roscommon and uh, I had a few things. I worked with FDK Engineering in Balladrain. In Balladrain, right. right. Okay. And then I worked with a man, uh, did some consultancy work for a man in Dublin. And then eventually I was invited to meet a man in the Abbey who spoke just like me. So we must have something in common. Of course, it was John Henry. And where is he, where, uh, yourself and John Henry struck up an unbelievable yes. uh, uh, relationship and a partnership. But where was he from? He was from... He was from Keighley. And did you know him? No, I never knew him until he met him here. But I worked with people that, when I was served my apprenticeship, and when I, after I came out of the RAF, I worked with people that he knew. Right, okay. uh, and actually, I had an uncle of mine. And how did you meet him in the Abbey Hotel? Well, it, actually, it was it was PJ Nocton who rang me up and just said, "Would you like to come up to meet this man in the Abbey Hotel?" Uh, because he, he, you know, as I say, he has, yeah. we spoke similar. You yeah. must have something in common. Right. And I found that John had been buying components from from the Roscommon foundry, and he was thinking of starting a factory in here to to do the complete finished product. Right. And he was already involved with his another company in the UK, so he asked me. Would I be prepared to manage this one in Roscommon? Right. It was only supposed to be a, like a, a small uh, addition to his right. other company. Right. So I went in there with Grant and uh, your son Grant, uh, with son Grant and yeah. uh, Mark Lane and uh, yeah. Gino Costello, yeah. and uh, and it just grew and grew so much that they they then actually started. And the name of the business, Advanced Couplings. It was Advanced Couplings, mm -hmm. and that started what. 1986. 1986. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. And uh, because of how we, because we went so well here, John Henry <coughs> started advanced companies in the UK. Right. More of a sales section. Yeah. We were manufacturing, he was selling. Mm. And since then it's just grown and now we have a, a we have a, 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 an, an outlet, we have a, a, a big warehouse and that in salespeople in Denmark. So this is 2021 and still uh, flying? Still flying, yeah. And it's just got bigger and bigger, that's all. Yeah. Right, and you still, even though you retired? I, I, John Henry asked me if I would stay on in a consultancy capacity. Yeah. But Eddie Kane took over from me as manager. And right. Eddie's still there at the moment, you know. Right. And my son is still there. And uh, I used to go in pretty regularly until this COVID. pandemic caught us. Now it means if I want to go in, I have to do all my hands and have yeah. to mask and all this yeah. and so I, I I really don't go in unless I'm forced to now unless I'm in, I ever need to because the, the business is thriving yeah oh yeah yeah and uh, so, so now I just spend my time doing nothing and playing golf well uh, I want to go back to that so you mentioned earlier on about uh, Roscommon Golf Club and the first night you were in Roscommon Town you were brought to Roscommon Golf Club mm. had you played golf before no never no but the main reason we joined the golf club, Bud June and I, was because we realised very quickly 
that it was the only social centre in Roscommon. Where you could meet people? Yeah, because at that time, if you remember, uh, women just didn't go into the public houses in town. That's right. And it was only, that was the only place until the Abbey opened up. Yeah. And of course, once the Abbey opened up, then obviously married couples were there, so ladies were there. Yeah. And so because ladies were in there, then ladies from the town. So you started playing, obviously. I started. I was very bad for a long time. Yeah. Desmond, well, he used a particular phrase that I won't repeat, but he said that I'd never learned to play the game of golf. Right. And he told me that the night I just won the President's Prize. <laughs> I reminded him of it today, actually, in the club. The reason I mention that, of course, for people listening to this interview that might know you exactly, uh, Roscommon Golf Club has been so much a part of your life. Oh, yes. Yeah. For both, both me and for yourself and your wife, too. Yeah. Um, it, I, I would say initially it was the main thing that kept us here, uh, you know, and uh, <clears throat> eventually we both became reasonably good. Yeah, you did, and, surely, uh, and uh, you served on committees all through the years. I served on committees, I was captain, I was president, I was secretary, I was treasurer, I was everything in more or less, if you right. want to mention it, and I was on the committee for quite a number of years, same as Joan, Joan was, Jim was captain, she was lady captain, she was uh, president as well, and she was on committees yeah. for, for many years as well, you know. And of course, uh, you enjoyed playing and you enjoyed the meetings and the mm -hmm. committees and all that sort of thing. And it was a nine-hall course, which I absolutely remember myself. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Yeah, but great developments through the years. <clears throat> the word I was involved, to some degree, was more than I was involved when we first put water on the course for irrigation. Yeah. And I was involved with some of the, when we, we went 18 holes, and I was yeah. also involved with some of the changes after we went 18. Yeah. And I was uh, course manager for a while. So, yeah, I, I've been kept in touch with nearly yeah, all of them. And then, uh, and then, of course, the, the place burnt down. That's right. And the famous, I, I, I was only reminded of, of it recently. I remember I was in my office, and Helen Sweeney rang me up, and she said, Jack, the clubhouse is on fire. And I said, well, I'm not secretary anymore. You better get someone else to put it out. Yeah. And then, of course, it dawned on us that it really was on fire. You know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so, again, we, again, there were changes there again, you know. But, and like, over the years, uh, as we all know, Roscommon Golf Club is a small town, uh, rural town in the middle of Ireland. Yes, it has had magnificent golfers. Oh, yes. Uh, young golfers, both ladies and men yes. over the oh, years yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and we see that up to this day <coughs> oh yeah they're still there they're coming they're still coming on yeah yeah i mentioned i mentioned des Mahan name there because des yeah. was probably one of the the first top class golfer that came yeah. out i think it was played off either scratch or one at the he time was, and he uh, represented yeah. connaught and uh, and i think he represented ireland at many yeah. times you know so uh, and then other other people came when when people found out that it could be done and other, yeah. You know, it wasn't beyond our possibility to have good mm. golfers. And then, of course, since then, uh, there's been more teaching going on. When I went mm. there, when I first joined there, the, the, we got no teaching. No. Well, when we were young, and I'd be a good bit younger than you, or a bit younger than you, uh, Tony Kearney was the guy who, who, who brought us out on a Saturday oh, morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, he passed away very young. Yeah, but, uh, and we, we never really, you know, we never really, really had what much professional coaching. Yeah, that's right. It was more or less somebody in the club out. help you out, you know. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes they didn't always help you out the right way. But yeah, still, you know what you mean. Yeah. But now, I mean, you see now, I'm some of the young ones coming in the club now. I mean, they have 
top class coaching and every facility and it's yeah. great that it should be so you know it's like i mean we're talking here on a, on a summer's evening in 2021 and the course is in great shape oh yes oh yes you played a few holes today i did i did i played a few holes i played with the over 55s yeah and that. you won recently by the way as well. i won twice in three weeks which was rather unusual and uh, but I was, I, i'm still trying to do it again i, I, I was a bit off key today but i was i was getting somewhere <laughs> near, exactly. i was getting somewhere near <laughs> and you still really enjoy it and uh, oh, yeah. you, you have great health and, and june has great health oh yeah oh both and, of us and, yeah. and you, you're still living in roscommon you're really enjoying it oh yeah i wouldn't move anywhere else no no this is this is yeah. this is where we finish yeah. one way or another yeah and just to finish up then now tell me the story but i think just when you were 89 was it that you you, you flew a plane 80, again oh yeah 88 i think it was 88. yeah my granddaughter she uh my granddaughter she she rang me up on my birthday which is in march and she said i'll have a present for you when i come over in, in easter right so she came over in easter <clears throat> and uh we were sat talking and uh she said, I've got your present for you. And I'm looking around for this present and there was yeah. nothing there. So I said, what's the present? She said, I've booked you an hour's flight out of Sligo Airport. Right. So she said, would you like that? I said, of course I would, yeah. So I said, when is it? She says, tomorrow at two o'clock. <laughs> okay. So she told me then, she when she when she was making the booking, she said to the man at the other end, she said, is there any limit on age? And he said, yeah. it has to be over 14. Yeah. So she said, I'm thinking of the other end. Yeah. So she said, he's 88. So he said, can he walk? So she said, no, you'll have no problem with him because he was a pilot in the RAF. He said, yeah. oh my God, he'd be teaching us. Yeah. So that was it. And I, we went over, of course, a few from the family went over, but they made a day out of it, you know. Right. And uh, it was great fun. Somebody ready for, he just passed it over to me for takeoff. And I took off and flew over Ross's Point and around that area. And then we came in and he again he just sort of said look you you take it in and, right. uh, so, so I you just, landed it so yeah I said, I said to him look you look after the flaps because it's different yeah. different yeah, plane yeah. to what i've been i said you look after the flap i'll take it in and we brought it in and touched down lovely and comfortable no problem at all so i enjoyed it but i wouldn't be rushing back to it because yeah. it's just it's a thing if you you act, you can either want to do it a lot right. or not at yeah. all you know and finally you recently uh, celebrated your 90th birthday I did, and also June and I celebrated our sixty third wedding anniversary. <laughs> so that uh, that takes us another step along the way. Yeah, absolutely, Jack. Halliday, absolutely lovely to talk to you, and thank you. Not at all. It's been my pleasure.